0: Welcome! You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Today I'm going to talk about something I've been kicking around in my head. It came through really strong this morning, and I thought, well, this is, this is episode fodder. This is stuff that I can talk about that's going to make a difference. And it also gives me the opportunity to kind of uh, work it out in my mind as I discuss it, as I describe it. And so this idea has implications around law of attraction, manifesting, self-personalities, personal development, and just your relationship with time in general. And it does have a, a, it leans into consciousness and expanded consciousness, conscious awareness, and just esoteric kind of ideas. And so hopefully, as I describe this, there's something for everyone. This idea has to do with time, our conception of time and how we process time. And again, you know, we just recently had the the fallback, the daylight savings time phenomena on November 5th. And I always think more about time or it's just more on my consciousness. This particular rabbit hole, this particular line of thought began with me listening to a short form interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, the the astrophysicist. And I'm going to relay what he said, paraphrase it. I'm not going to go into the detail that he did. Frankly, I sometimes I think he goes into a little bit too much detail just to kind of prove how, how knowledgeable he is or how smart he is. This particular conversation started out with him saying, this keeps me awake at night. You know, something that bothers him, kind of staggers his mind because there's not necessarily a scientific application or a scientific explanation for where he ends up. But he does lead a, a pretty compelling rational thought process, logical thought process. So Einstein's theory of relativity basically says that the closer that we move or the closer we travel at the speed of light, the slower time moves. And supposedly at the speed of light, time stands still. If you go faster than the speed of light, time starts to reverse, kind of the theory behind time travel. In different space movies, Star Wars, and, you know, they they make the leap to hyperspace, meaning that they'll go faster than the speed of light, and in doing so, they collapse time. They can travel vast distances in the blink of an eye. So, on to Neil's explanation. So, he's saying that, you know, if Einstein was right, and the further you go out, time slows down, consider GPS satellites. They're in orbit around the Earth, further out than the space station, And so relative to the earth, they travel faster than the rotation of the earth. And then to make the information that they gather relevant, as far as plotting and positioning, there is an algorithm in place that accounts for the speed differentiation so that the information arrives at your GPS or at your computer at the exact time that you need. It doesn't factor in any time delay. It Basically, the GPS satellites are operating at a speed faster than we live. And so he says the fact that this actually works, that in accounting for and using Einstein's theory of relativity, means that Einstein was right. And so I'm going to set up the next example. There are elements that give up radiation, that emit radiation, such as uranium, In fact, every element is in a process of giving up isotopes and taking on isotopes. There is a decay in that element. For instance, iron decays, steel decays in the form of rust. There is an oxidation they takes on an oxygen molecule. And so everything, the universe, is in a dynamic state of exchange. When we think about the element uranium-235 or 238, That number, 235, is the half-life of that uranium, meaning that it will not completely give up its radiation for 470 years. The half-life is 235. So that little number that's tagged onto the uranium or plutonium speaks of the half-life of that molecule, of that radiation. So on average, if you take an atom and we start talking about the subatomic particles... You know, in an atom, you have neutrons, electrons, and protons. But a subparticle of that would be a quark or a Mulan. If you separate a Mulan away from the atom, that particle will decay. The energy of that particle will decay in about six minutes. This is done in the laboratory. This is done on terra firma in the 3D world. But if you take that Mulan and put it in a particle accelerator which they can use to move that particle through space close to the speed of light. And instead of that particle decaying in six minutes, its lifespan will last two to three times longer the closer it moves to the speed of light. Meaning that for that particle, time is slowing down. So another representation that Einstein was right. Now, something that I want to add here, that time in general, time is a construct, we've identified that time is the measurement of events, and we have set up a clock, 60 seconds 60, 60 seconds to a minute, you know, 60 minutes to an hour. That is how we measure time. And so the closer we move to the speed of light, the more this rule or this construct starts to break down. So as we continue in this. If Einstein was right, and if you're traveling at the speed of light, time would stand still. What moves at the speed of light? Well, light does. And so Neil deGrasse Tyson said, this is what keeps me up at night. When I go out to my telescope at night, on a clear night with no light pollution, and I look at the stars, stars that are 30 to 50 million light years away, the idea is that I'm looking at light that was transmitted twenty five to thirty thousand years ago. But if we consider Einstein's theory of relativity, that starlight is moving at the speed of light. Time stands still for that light beam. And so from our perspective it has taken twenty five to thirty thousand years to get here, but from the perspective of the light beam, it just moves arrived almost instantaneously. Time was standing still. Now, here's where I started piecing together some different information to kind of support this and add to this idea. In 2022, there was a Nobel Peace Prize given to a couple physicists that had proven entanglement. Entanglement takes place when we're talking about subatomic particles. You know, below the level of the proton, electron, and neutron, there are photons, quarks, and muons what these two physicists proved is when you take different aspects of an atom and send them off in different directions these uh, these subparticles are entangled and so if there's an effect made on one particle there's an immediate effect felt in this entangled particle on the other side of the universe is instantaneous. And the universe is a collection of entangled particles. One of the conclusions of this study that was done that won the Nobel Peace Prize is that our conception of time is most likely wrong. Now, I want to compare this for a second. Our experience of the starlight traveling across the galaxy, it took twenty-five to 30,000 years. For the light beam, it happened instantaneously. It slowed down time. Now, when we are measuring... The entanglement of the particles, that instantaneous process happened within our observation in the physical plane, meaning from a metaphysical point of view, that thought travels instantaneously. Now, what's important to note is that transmission happens instantaneously. When we receive it depends on how open we are or how open the other individual is. But this idea is supported around studies, clinical studies, around distance healing, the power of prayer, which suggests that these thoughts create a thought form and they travel through the universe instantaneously. There is no time represented there. Now let's talk about manifestation. When we create an intention, we send a thought form out into the universe and it is manifested immediately, instantaneously vibrationally. And because we as an individual have a unique signature, each of us is unique, just like your fingerprints, your energy, your thought forms, your collection of who you are, your identity, your expression out in the world is unique. And so if you're wondering, like I created this intention a while ago and I'm kind of wondering, you know, did my stuff get delivered somewhere else? Is it lost in mail or like, why isn't it showing up? Well, here it is. In the context of Law of Attraction, like attracts like. So you create this intention and it is immediately on its way, traveling to you. And there are examples, have been examples of spontaneous manifestations. But in our experience, there tends to be a delay that goes on. Part of that delay is that we experience a gap between where we think we currently are and what we're manifesting. And so that gap perception is what needs to be crossed. And again, it's our thought, our idea around how long a manifestation takes, which creates the conditions on how fast or how soon we're going to be able to receive our manifestation. The moment we create that intention, the manifestation happens vibrationally, out into the field, out into the universe, and it's not that far away. It's really, really close. It's right within our grasp. It's just we haven't physically realized it yet and so what determines the speed, one of the things that determines the speed at which the this intention manifests is our ability to match the vibration of that intention. And that's why we want to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. But what's most important about assuming this vibrational stance as an individual is your ability to live as authentically as you can to your integral design. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that you could experience instantaneous manifestations except for your attachments to the past, attachment to limiting ideas, limit anything that takes you away from an expression of being whole, complete, and perfect. Because your natural state of being, how you actually are, is whole, complete, and perfect. You're not broken. You're not fractured. It's only in our mind. It's in our perceptions where we experience these fractures, these limiting beliefs. Okay, this is where subpersonalities and limiting beliefs come in. I've called them shadow beliefs in past episodes. I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough. I don't deserve... These are beliefs that we've adopted. At some point, typically somewhere in the age of seven, eight, nine, ten, we 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 assume it. We we have this hypothesis that we're not good enough, that there's something wrong with us, and then there's an event that confirms it. This is where a sub personality is created or a fracture in our self-concept. If you think about it in terms of an oyster, how an oyster creates a pearl there is a grain of sand that gets embedded inside, creates an irritation. And then the oyster begins coating this grain of sand with uh, calcium silicate. I think that's the substance. But then over time, because it's a constant irritation, there's a greater and greater size, or the pearl grows in size in order to alleviate this irritation. So as a human being, when we adopt this limiting belief, we actually create a self-identity Around this initial irritation, this fundamental base belief, this limiting belief about who we are, where we create ourselves as broken, but then we create a self identity in an attempt to prove that that irritation or that limiting belief is not there. We'll push it down, we'll push it aside, we'll posture, we'll, we'll, and, but that's why people experience self sabotage, because that limiting belief is underneath. And until it's addressed, until it's healed, it will continually get in the way of your manifesting to the degree that you give it energy. And how do we give it energy? Those are the behaviors, the habits, the expressions that we have inside our persona, inside our personality, our self-concept, which we exhibit and practice in day to day. And it's somewhat insidious because we're not necessarily aware of all the different ways we actually are in this process of alleviating this internal irritation, this internal limiting belief. Because many times in our life, achievement is the direct result of not being enough. I'm not good enough, so I have to prove it out in the world. I have to prove it to myself. So we embark on all these, these journeys, these quests to reach a level of achievement, of validation. As a side note, all this achievement is possible when you actually address this limiting belief. It's just that you feel more complete, more fulfilled in your achievement. When you come from a place of limiting belief, you kind of have, you know, achieving certain things, accumulating money or having success is somewhat empty. You might enjoy it for the moment, but then you quickly discard it because it just doesn't feel like you're complete because you haven't let go of that past belief. So anyways, there's this irritation inside where we create our self-concept around it. What's this have to do with the speed of light in our concept of time? Well, because this past belief is held in space in time with a sub-personality, an aspect or a fractured aspect of the self-concept, what happens is that thought form exists outside of time and space. And so its influence will be in the present, even though that event took place 20, 30 years ago. Or maybe that's your entire age. Maybe it's not quite that long, but you get the idea. It happened sometime in your childhood. That aspect of the personality was set aside. It developed a strategy, a coping mechanism in order to overcome whatever limitation it was experiencing in that moment. And that becomes a strategy Every time you encounter a limitation in the present, it immediately pops into present time. Because other than consciously, we don't really have a reference for the past or the future. What we experience subconsciously is that every thought is happening right now. That's a basic example of that, but it doesn't stray too far from that description. Now, in the work that I've been doing with subpersonalities... One of the things or one of the approaches I'll do, depending on the need, is sometimes I'll have your present self go back and be with your younger self in the moment that it experienced trauma, either just before or as it's occurring. And in the theater of your mind, you can have this conversation with your younger self. You can tell yourself, be with yourself only in the way you would know and what you need. Because you're your older self, if you were to go back and be with your younger self with unlimited compassion, unlimited self-acceptance, and you're just being with your younger self, affirming, confirming, nurturing, loving your younger self in a way that was not present at that earlier time, even it might even be an awareness, a perceptual shift. This is where we bring in the whole concept of time. If we go back in our mind, in our consciousness, and send a thought, a series of thoughts, a thought form back to our past self at a time where it would have made a difference, we're operating at the speed of thought, thinking tangled particles. It's instantaneous, and it takes place outside of time and place, the conception of time and space. So going back and healing yourself in that moment is reality. It impacts your experience. And when I work with clients using this, sometimes they cry. Sometimes th- there's an immediate palpable internal response that they feel like there's a shift. Something clicks into place. A-, a burden will lift, will disappear. And it transforms the present moment, transforms life from this point forward because we shifted the meaning of the past. This is how I have used it so far inside the coaching practice. I didn't really get consciously how it was working or why it was working, but now I understand it. Now I get it. I'm also going to be teaching this inside the group coaching program on subpersonalities, the integrated self. As I said in an earlier episode, I'm kicking it off the end of this month in November. People can get started almost right away. I'm done with about 250 hours of case studies where I've worked with individuals, and I'm offering this group coaching program and like I said earlier, or in another episode, it will be the only time that I'm offering the group coaching, because after this, it'll be a self-directed course and then the workbook. And so if you want to work with me, inside certain personalities, and I'll assist you along the way with support up to six months after the program, send me an email about your interest to support at com. But anyways, I want to get back to the actual process. This, And I'm still working this out, but this is there's been reports of people uh, that have had psychic experiences where they've gone through traumatic events in their life and they remember it almost as if there was this feeling that they were they were at their, their lowest point in time i remember this this one woman did a tiktok on it and i posted it in the facebook group so this woman remembers at a time when she was in her teens and she had this thought of of uh, ending her existence and She was thinking back, she was in her late 20s and she was thinking back to this time and she just sent her younger self love, just unconditional love and acceptance and saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. She did this in a meditation and then almost immediately after the meditation, she remembered a time when she was 15 and she was thinking about this, you know, right on the edge and suddenly this feeling of love, this angelic love came over her and she changed her mind. When I first heard this, I thought, of course, how cool. Consciousness does not experience limitations, but I didn't really have a way to explain why until today, until I, you know, everything that I've told you up till now. So when we send a thought, when we send love, when we send a thought form back into the past, we can transform it. We can shift it. We can change it. We can alter it. Now, if you think back to the past and remember it, and if you think about the word remember, you recapitulate, you re-put together, you rebuild this experience, you recall it from the past into the present, you're sending it energy and you're perpetuating the trauma. You're perpetuating the pain based on how you're paying attention. And so through your own love and nurturing compassion, you can send love to a past experience when you needed it most, when it when having it would have made a difference. Now when I say when having it would have made a difference, I've had the experience of dreams, of lucid dreaming, and I would awaken early earlier I haven't had a dream like this in a long time, long, long time. But what I would do is when I would have these dreams, say that someone was chasing me with a gun or it could have been, I'd wander into the wrong place and there was a gang there or aliens. It was all these different scenarios. But the theme of it was I was being chased. I was being hunted down and I didn't have any defense. And invariably I would awaken with a beating heart and sweating, you know, in my forehead and just like activated. I adopted the idea that it was a dream. It's my construction. It's my other than conscious. So what was lacking in that dream was resources. And so I thought, since I'm making it up, I can give myself the resources I need in the dream in a way that where it would make a difference. So how I would handle this is I would go back to sleep. I would remember the dream because when you first wake up, the dream is present. You're aware of it. I would go back into the dream with the intention. And I might not necessarily go to sleep, but I could begin thinking about the dream and how it transpired, how it played out. And I would find a point in the story where if I had a resource, say I was being chased by someone with a gun, if I had a gun in that moment, it would have made a difference. And invariably it did. And if that resource wasn't enough, I'd give myself another resource but one of the things I learned is when I first started doing it, I was thinking pretty small. I was I wasn't really engaging my imagination. Because if the other people had a gun and I supplied myself with a gun, it was still a protracted battle fighting it out, and I would basically end up feeling the same way. I might ultimately, you know, eradicate the threat, but there was still this ongoing battle going on. And I thought, what would really make a difference? So what I started doing is I would go back in time at a point in time in the dream where it would have made a difference. Say, I just first experienced the threat. So instead of giving myself a gun, I would give myself a cannon or a bazooka. I would overwhelm the threat. Then I I went even further. I would immediately grow to 50 feet tall and I'd just step on the threat and squash it. Other ideas I would use, I'd have superhuman strength. I would you know, be like Superman, bullets ricochet off of me. I could not be harmed. And then sometimes I would just fly away. I, I had any resource at my disposal that would overwhelm, negate, totally negate the threat. And then after only doing that a short period of time, I stopped having those dreams entirely. I trained my other than conscious mind that there is no event, no threat that will be overpowering. I can and will handle anything that comes up. Now, with that explained, let's go back and talk about going back and being with your subpersonalities. What I haven't really tested out yet, which I will, is if you could have the resources you need before an event took place. What if you had an angel, a guardian spirit, a your older self come to you and say, you're going to be going through this in the next few days. What I want you to know is it means nothing about you. You are going to have an experience, but it will not define you. You shall rise above it. You will be able to maintain your self-identity, your self-esteem, and your love for yourself. Sometimes things happen to us, but they don't have to define us. Now, remember don't think too small. As you go back, you can have a huge energy, a huge footprint, and a huge energetic power behind you that's infusing this love, acceptance, this sense of calm and peace inside your younger self. And if you don't necessarily feel you have that yourself or can generate that for yourself yet, call in 10,000 angels. Call in the universe. Call in God, goddess, all that is to infuse the energy through you, to use yourself as a channel that all this love is going back into your past in healing a younger self, healing a younger aspect. And you can do this now with the knowledge that thought knows no bounds. Thought can transcend time and space. And in healing the past, you become more whole and complete. You become a more authentic expression of your true design, who you choose to be in the world, not the the knee-jerk habitually learned responses that is the haphazard construction that most people call their identity. When you're living in the world with authentic joy, when you're living in the world with authentic passion and authentic expression, nothing you have to hide, nothing you need to protect, then you are an instant match to your intentions. I've often wondered why certain things come to me so much faster than other things. And of course, you know, if you listen to Abraham Hicks and some of the other teachers, it has to do with the level of your resistance. Do you have any resisting beliefs, any ideas that you have that resist the idea that this is part of or belongs to you? So in eliminating those limiting beliefs, that was a little bit of a tongue twister. So in eliminating those limiting beliefs, You empower yourself to show up authentically. And when you are your authentic expression, the universe can recognize, oh, there's Daniel. And immediately my intention finds its way to me or in very short order, faster than it would have if I was to hang on to that past story of limitation. So I want to qualify that I was kind of working this out in my mind as I was talking to you. And I may tweak the idea. I may have some more to add to this, but uh, I want to give it to you for your own perusing, your own, like, think about it yourself. Ruminate on the idea. And if you have anything that comes up for you, send me an email. Let's have a conversation. I want to know what you think about this. So, until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel De urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals. Be interdirected as you engage in the epic adventure.